Well, good morning. I'm RG. I'm the pastor here in the loft. It is great to see all of you today. And, you know, I don't know if you noticed or not, but we felt like we needed to kind of break out something special for our offering by having Superman take up our collection today. So I'm just saying, if y'all did not give generously today, I mean, I don't know what else we can do after that. So as Emily said, we are continuing our sermon series on the Psalms, and this week we are looking at Psalms of Praise. So if you were here last week, you may remember that I shared with you that Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann has done more work and influenced the understanding of the Psalms more than probably any other biblical scholar. And even though I shared this quote last week, I think it's worth sharing again. And y'all may even just share this quote every week, so you're just gonna have to sit there and listen to it again and again, because I think it is so important and so powerfully articulates what the Psalms are and the incredible range of human experience and emotion that they express. So listen to these words again. In season and out of season, generation after generation, Faithful people turn to the Psalms as a most helpful resource for conversation with God about the things that matter most. Relationship with God is not immune to the surprises and cost of our daily life. The Psalms express the entire gamut of speech to God, from profound praise to the utterance of unspeakable anger and doubt. The Psalms invite us to see the world as it truly is, and that all human experience is a proper subject for conversation with God. Nothing is out of bounds, nothing precluded or inappropriate. Everything properly belongs in this conversation of the heart. Everything must be brought to speech and addressed to God, who is the final reference for all of life. Some of you may have read Kate Bowler's book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. We've had a number of small groups here that have read that book together. Some Sunday school classes have, have studied it. And in the book, Kate, who's a, who's a uh, church historian, a scholar at Duke University, um, reflects on her cancer diagnosis um, that was unexpected when, she, when her career was just taking off, she was happily married with a young child, everything seemed to be going for her, and then her world just sort of fell apart. And after writing the book, she also has a podcast and has sort of become a person who has just deeply spoken to people dealing with both the joys and the sorrows and the pains of life. And so on her uh, podcast, she sort of has a tagline and it is, life is so beautiful and life is so hard that both of those things can be true at the same time. And I think that could also be a great tagline for the Psalms. Life is so beautiful and life is so hard. We see both of those uh, expressions of emotion throughout the Psalms, sometimes even within the same Psalm. And so today we're focusing more on the Psalms that are kind of articulating this, life is so beautiful. These songs of exuberant praise to God. And I think in doing so, the Psalms, they, they invite us, they offer us a invitation to be completely honest with God about how we are doing and about what we are feeling and to trust that God can hold all of that and that God can love us in whatever space we find ourselves in. We don't have to censor ourselves before God. And we see this over and over again in the Psalms where the writers express, as I said, ecstatic, transcendent praise 
and at times the very depths of human anger and grief, and every emotion in between. So today we're going to be looking at how the Psalms express that ecstatic praise. But before I say any more about praise, I've got a video that I think you need to watch because, I mean, you know, we need to make sure we're praising in the right way. So watch I know the video that each church me. has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying, you're like, I can't. I want to, to I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. So here at my church, music is rocking. Start slow. Hands in the pockets, a little elbow flap. You're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. <laughs> Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. <laughs> and when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. And you're welcome. So I thought that video was really, really funny. But y'all, there was a time in my life when I was very, very worried about whether or not I was worshiping in the right way. I went to Sanford University, and every Tuesday night, there was a worship service with a praise band, and the band was really, really good. And y'all, I grew up in a small town, United Methodist Church, and the, the kind of the worship service that I had always been just sort of had hymns. It was pretty traditional, standard United Methodist worship service. So this was the first time that I regularly attended worship with, with the praise band. And I, and I loved it. I found the songs to be deeply meaningful. Um, I found them ways to connect with God, ways to kind of experience uh, just incredible joy in worship. But I also spent a lot of time being distracted because you see, all around me, people were 
raising their hands. And I had never done that before and wasn't sure I wanted to do that. And even one particular service, there was a preacher, and I don't remember his exact words, but he basically said something to the effect that you're not truly worshiping if you're not raising your hands and closing your eyes. And because I was like somebody who wanted to like make people happy and especially wanted to make God happy, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Now don't get me wrong, Raising your hands in worship is absolutely a wonderful way to worship if that is authentic to who you are. But it wasn't really authentic to me. You see, I've always found myself in awe of God, not by being uh, terribly expressive in worship, but by taking in the beauty of the music, by times of quiet and meditation. And, And especially for me, the times that I actually feel most worshipful is when I'm out in nature taking in the beauty of creation, whether it's on top of a mountain or listening to a roaring river or watching a sunset on the beach. And on the flip side, while my experience has been that I had sort of felt this pressure to worship more expressively, I know some of you may have felt pressure to do just the opposite, to sort of bring you back in. I remember again in the church where I grew up that, that, that we sang hymns each week and, one way, and one, at, at one point some new people joined and they were really sort of connected with God by being more expressive in worship than anyone there was used to. And I remember the disapproving looks that so many people gave them. And still today, some people will will refer to traditional worship worship services as big church. 